Hallelujah. Today for the meditation of the scriptures, let us open the Bibles and turn to Psalm 40. Psalm 40 is a psalm of David where he explores the theme of the deliverance that he has received from the Lord. If you see, the psalm is quite possibly written at a period when David was on the run after he had sinned with uh, Bathsheba and uh, later at that point of time when God was chastening him, he was on the run from the rebellious son Absalom. And at this point of time, David recollects and remembers the great deliverance that the Lord has done for him in the past. And he looks to the Lord once again and asks him for a new wave of deliverance to happen in his life as well. What is beautiful about this psalm is, even at the point of the greatest sin of his life, David still experiences the amazing grace of God. He experiences the mercy of God. God is so loving that he extends his forgiveness and even gives a beautiful revelation concerning Jesus Christ to this man of God, David. David was surely a man of God and he was a prophet. Many people uh, have experienced great deliverance when they meditated upon the Psalms that were written by David because it came forth in the pressure of real life situations. And if you see the Psalm is a messianic Psalm where in the book of Hebrews we know that uh, uh, the author of the book of Hebrews refers to the psalm to, re, uh, to talk about Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the psalm. In uh, verses uh, six, uh, 6 onwards, uh, the portion of the psalm talks really about Jesus Christ. It's messianic in nature. And if you look at the psalm, it's broadly divided into three sections. The first section is Psalm 40 verses 1 to 5, which talks about the great deliverance of the Lord. What has the Lord done for us? That is the main thing that is explored in this initial portion of the psalm. The second portion of the psalm, verses 6 to 10, talks about the sacrifice that pleases God. Or, in other words, what can we do for the Lord? <clears throat> and verses 11 to 17 is written as a prayer or a lament that is given to the Lord for a new deliverance. Let us look at each of these sections and may the Lord bless us through the meditation of these scriptures. If you see verse 1 to 5, David writes here, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Very often we realize in meditating the scriptures that the best thing that we can do in a tight spot is to wait upon the Lord. Now there is a difference between waiting upon the Lord and waiting upon the Lord patiently. Sometimes a holy resignation is required from our side as we wait patiently upon the Lord, as we are resigned in the, uh, into the arms of God, we trust ourselves into the sovereignty of God, we relax ourselves and we realize that God is in control. And David is really talking about that. He says here, I waited patiently for the Lord and the Lord inclined to me. That means the Lord was not inclined to me at a point of time, but as I waited patiently for the Lord, the Lord came over to me, bent down to me and he heard my cry. And what did the Lord do? What's the deliverance that he received? He First of all, he turned to us in favor, he heard our cry. In verse 2 he says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. David pictures himself as spiritually sinking into a sinful bog. A miry bog is there, a marsh land is there which is pulling in him, pulling him in into itself. It's like a quicksand that wants to engulf him and eat him up. But the Lord in his mercy, he offers his hand and pulls David out from the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog. In the olden times, in the biblical times, we see that many of the pits or many of the uh, places of uh, punishment were marshlands. 
where they will be put into a pit and there will be a marsh, marshy kind of area at the end of it and they will pretty much be sinking into it. And David pictures himself as coming out of such a prison. Dearly beloved, if anybody is in the imprisonment of a habit or a sin that is keeping on coming back to them, the Lord is still able to come down into the pit that we are, offer his beautiful hand and draw us out of that pit and he is able to set us free from whatever sins are enslaving us. Here we see David received that deliverance and then what did he do? In verse 2 he says, continues to say, he set my feet upon the rock, make, making my steps secure in him. We see that David, when he waited patiently for the Lord, when he cried out to the Lord, these are the two things that David did. And what the Lord did was he drew David out of the pit he, and he set his feet upon the rock and he made his steps secure. If you turn to Matthew chapter 7, we understand that the rock is the rock on which we can build our lives is the obedience to the word of God. And the more obedient we are, the more stable our spiritual lives will be. There will be waves that crash against the house. But yet the house that remains is the one that is built on the rock. And that rock is the obedience to the word of God. In verse 3, David says, He put a new song in my mouth. Any child of God who has experienced such a deliverance from sin, such a deliverance from destruction, will always have a song of praise for the Lord. And I don't literally mean a song, but overall his attitude would be one of praising to the Lord because he knows the depths from which the Lord has rescued him. He knows the exceeding sinfulness of the sin that he was slaved by. And he knows how marvelous is the deliverance that the Lord gave to him. As a result, he will always be filled with praise. He will always be filled with thanksgiving because he knows how much he has been rescued by the Lord. And he says, many will see and fear in verse 3 and they will put their trust in the Lord. A life that is touched by God is a witness and a testimony. When we exhibit that witness, what happens is many people around us who are in spiritual need will see us, will realize that there is a God who is powerful to deliver from great destruction. There is a God who is able to deliver from great sin and likewise they will also trust in the Lord and they will also turn to the Lord. What is the secret of this? All this deliverance is based on the central truth of the first portion of the psalm which says verse 4, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. When we place our trust in the Lord, not on earthly things, not on ourselves, not on riches, not on anything, not even the good works that we have done, but when we start placing our trust in the Lord, what does he do? He says, you have multiplied, oh my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. All this deliverance that we have received at the hands of the Lord is because we have placed our trust in him, because he had mercy upon us. And David recollects this and he says, you have multiplied, oh God, in verse 5, your wonderful deeds and thoughts towards us. Isaiah chapter 55 uh, and uh, I think it is verses 8 and 9. It says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His thoughts and plans are higher, much higher than ours. As the heavens are higher than the earth and the skies are higher than the waters are his plans towards us. And we need to recognize that this is the God that we are serving today. This is the God whom we are worshipping today. Hallelujah. After having recounted what the Lord has done, David comes to the point where he says, None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell them, 
yet they are more than that can be told remember what he has done dearly beloved and proclaim it boldly the world needs to know that there is a father who loves us the world needs to know that there is a god who works great and mighty deliverances in the lives of those who trust him and as we reach the world with that witness many will turn to him in the second portion of the psalm verses 6 to 10 david talks about the sacrifice that pleases god and really this particular portion of the psalm is a new covenant revelation that is given to a, an old covenant person because david although he was part of the old covenant dispensation he lived in the old covenant times but god had revealed in his heart the heart of the new covenant he wanted to reveal to david what was the heart of worship that god was expecting from his beloved and he says here in verse 6 in sacrifice and offering you have not delighted but you have given me an open ear burnt offering and sin offering you have not required this is a revolutionary thing to say in an old testament context when people were still very much in the habit of bringing sacrifices and offerings in order to receive their forgiveness for sin that was still mentioned in the mosaic law moses had revealed that in the torah and israel was still following that but there is the heart that god had when he gave that mosaic law there was the intention and heart that god had towards the children of israel when god gave that law to the people and what was that heart they needed to have a heart that was right with god god is more interested in the heart that brings the sacrifice rather than the sacrifice in itself for what can we add to the lord if we are bringing a bull or a cow into the presence of god to be slain and presented as a burnt offering god does not gain anything but what he wants is a heart that is attuned to him a heart that is repentant for the sin a heart that is aligned with him and god reveals that in this particular portion he says here in sacrifice or offering you have not delighted but what delights the lord and open ear you have given me an ear of a man that is open towards the commandment of god to the voice of god is what the lord delights in you see here in the old testament you bring a sacrifice in order to obtain the mercy of the lord but in the new testament you first obtain the mercy of the lord because of the perfect sacrifice of jesus on the cross and then having realized that mercy of god towards us we respond back to god and say lord we want to become the living sacrifices if you turn to romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 the word of god says i appeal to you therefore my brethren by the mercies of god remember the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god that which is good and acceptable and perfect this is the heart of the sacrifice and worship that the lord wants us to understand here he says then in verse 7 he says then i said behold i have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me i delight to do your will oh my god your law is within my heart this is a hardcore new covenant passage david having realized that in sacrifice and offering god does not delight he says here behold i have come i don't bring a sacrifice lord i come i am the sacrifice prophetically this is about jesus christ because he was the one who came he was the one who came to become the sacrifice for us and hebrew the book of hebrews also talks about this particular passage in the very same light 
as to who came it is the lord who came remember my dear friends we also need to have that very same attitude we don't bring the sacrifice to god we come and present ourselves as a sacrifice before the lord and verse 8 says i delight to do your will oh my god your law is within my heart the lord says in ezekiel chapter 36 and jeremiah chapter 31 we realize that the heart of the new covenant is that the lord will take our heart and do a transformation of our heart from a stony heart he will take away and he will give into us a new and fleshly heart a heart that is soft and tender to receive the will of god and the commands of god and then what the lord does is he writes the commands of god the will of god the law of the lord into our heart and our lives can then live be lived according to that commandment which is written in our heart the law the the spirit of god that is given to us is given to us to enable us in order to walk according to the law that the lord has written in our hearts and he says here in verse 8 i delight to do your will o oh my god what is the difference between doing the will of god and delighting to do the will of god there's a big difference it's the same difference as uh waiting upon the lord and waiting patiently upon the lord delighting to do the will of god is the right attitude of worship before god doing the will of god many people can come to the point of doing the will of god reluctantly as though there is a compulsion upon them with, not with that full joy of the spirit but rather ha huh, i will do it anyway but rather than that god is looking for a set of people for a generation who will delight in doing the will of god because the law of the lord is written in the heart of that person dearly beloved when we remember what the lord has done for us when we remember what the lord did for us in verses 1 to 5 it is easier for us to then become the sacrifice that pleasing that is pleasing to god in verses 6 to 10 and such a person who becomes a living sacrifice he goes on and he says i have come i delight to do your will in verse 8 verse 9 he says i have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation a person who has experienced such a touch from god then goes forth and tells before others what he has received from the lord and he says here i have told not just to one or two isolated people but before the great congregation i have not restrained my lips what has he spoken about he did not speak anything that glorified him saying that i am the mighty servant that the lord touched but rather he says here i have spoken of your faithfulness i have spoken of your deliverance i have spoken of your salvation i have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation he does not glorify himself but rather he glories in the lord who has done all these things for him and this is the sacrifice that the lord desires from us at this point of time there is a clear change in tone between uh the portion till verses 1 to 10 and the verses 11 to 17 it's almost like some scholars say it is two psalms that have been stitched together because from verses 11 to 17 the psalm takes on the mood of a lament or a prayer now we can understand this uh by looking at it thus david has received great deliverances from the lord in the past as he says in verses 1 to 5 and david has chosen to become a person who is a sacrifice that pleases god in verses 6 to 10 that does not mean his life is perfect now there are genuine issues that are plaguing his life even at this point of time and 
David continues to offer that prayer and praise to the Lord and he continues to wait upon the Lord for a new deliverance that he needs today in his life. If you turn to verses 11 to 17, the key verse there is verse 13 which says, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. He says here, there is a deliverance that I need. Why does he need the deliverance? Verse 11 he says, As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Now, David talks about in verse 11, three attributes of God, his mercy, his steadfast love and his faithfulness. These three attributes of God are covenantal attributes which are timeless. He says he will ever preserve me. He will preserve me forever. As unchanging as the nature of God is, these three attributes are also unchanging. And when we realize that there is a great comfort, irrespective of whether we are going through the bad times or the good times, his mercy, his steadfast love and his faithfulness abides forever with those who have chosen to trust him. This is what we understand from this verse. Now, verse 13, he says, please God, deliver me. From what does he want deliverance? If you look at verses 12 and 14 and 15, we will see what he needs deliverance from. Number one thing, verse 12, he says, I need deliverance from my sins. I need deliverance from my sins because even today, after having experienced the deliverance of the Lord in the past, after offering my sacrifice to him, after offering myself as a sacrifice to him, still there are sins that I am plagued by. He says here, for evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. David says, cries out to the Lord and he says, deliver me, Lord, from my iniquities, the sins that I am having in my heart. They are more than the number of hairs on my head. Now, one of the beautiful things about David was he was a man after God's own heart. He recognized the sinfulness that was there in him and he was ever ready to repent and ask God for forgiveness and grace and deliverance. I think that is a very healthy attribute. Uh, that's a very healthy nature that a believer should have. When we introspect, we cannot always spend time introspecting and looking into ourselves. Then we will become depressed. We have got to alternate that inward look with the upward look and the outward look. We need all these in balance. But a person who only looks at God and others without looking into oneself tends to become spiritually uh, very complacent. We need to have a daily introspection in order to see where we have failed God and we need to get right with God and maintain a very short account with God. We need to make sure that we are running to the Lord and confessing our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive our iniquities and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins to him. And here the word says, my iniquities have overtaken me. First of all, David asked for deliverance from his sins. Second thing, he asked deliverance from his enemies. Verse 14, he says, Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. Now, th these are some of the natures of the various enemies that David had. First of all, what did they try to do? They gathered together and they tried to snatch away David's life. Number two, they delighted in the hurt of David. Number three, they were constantly saying, aha, aha, meaning I told you so. 
uh, and David says, Lord, go against all these people who are doing this. Now, David was a man who was appointed by God, anointed by God, and he overall was in the will of God. Yes, he had received chastening. He had gone away from God. He had received punishment from God. But that does not mean that the enemies can have a free, free reign over his head. He prays out to God and says, Lord, be just. All these people who are attacking me without cause, do your will regarding their lives. Verse 16, he says, But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continuously, Great is the Lord. May all who seek you. That is the key thing. God wants us all to be his seekers. And the word of God says, If you seek him, if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. What is the difference between a casual seeker and a genuine seeker? One who seeks God with all his heart will surely be found in him and surely will find the Lord. And here the word says, verse 17, As for me, I am poor and needy. This is the king of Israel saying, the current king of Israel, the anointed one. He is saying, but as for me, I am poor and needy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This is one quality that can set us apart from the complacent, casual Christianity that is there around us. The moment we say, Lord, I am poor and needy. The moment we start looking to the Lord. The moment we recognize our spiritual poverty. The moment we start hungering and thirsting for that which is right. The Lord surely will look to us and surely he will bless us. Here he says, as for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought for me. How wonderful it is that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords should look down and take thought for us. He delights in us. When we trust in him, he delights in us. Dearly beloved, David finishes the psalm by saying, You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Beloved friends, as we meditate upon the psalm, let us look back to the past deliverances that the Lord has done for us. Let us offer ourselves as a sacrifice in his presence. Let us also continue to pray for the present needs of deliverance that we have, that the Lord will continuously bless us. May the Lord bless us through the meditation of these scriptures.